Thank you for joining us for this podcast of Northwest Presbyterian Church in Dublin, Ohio. Our church exists to celebrate the gospel through Christ-centered study, worship, and prayer, to connect in community through fellowship, accountability, shepherding, and outreach, and to love our city through sacrificial giving of time, treasure, and talents so that it might flourish as a place where Jesus is known. For service times and more information about our church, visit npcdublin.org. Young people, do you know how it is when a verse of the Bible grips your attention? A verse of Psalm 38 gripped my heart. It says, all my longings are before you. O Lord, my sign is not hidden from you. That means, young people, that your every sigh is heard by the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Your disappointments, the Lord knows. He hears. I can tell you that the longer you follow Jesus Christ, your discouragement changes focus. Your discouragement is less about the problems you face in life, the trials you have in life, and they become a little bit more, the discouragement is a little bit more about your failings as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I can tell you that in my own life, I am now much more troubled by my own sin, my own failings. I long to be a better disciple for Jesus. I long for that. I long for the church too. I love the church. But I sigh deeply when it comes to our failings and our weaknesses as the body of Christ. Jesus hears our longings and he heard the longings of those disciples in the upper room. And I'd like you to imagine that scene with me. The disciples are celebrating the Passover. In the Jewish tradition, it was one of the greatest celebrations of the entire year. The disciples are with their master celebrating the Passover meal. They're at the meal, and Jesus tells them that he is soon to die. Now, that would sort of be like you're with your family in a Christmas celebration. You're enjoying the Christmas meal. And then mom announces that she's been diagnosed with terminal cancer and she doesn't have long to live. That was the mood of the upper room. And more than that, Jesus tells those disciples that their companion Judas will betray him. He tells them that the group leader, Peter, will deny him three times. Uh, Philip, their friend, raises a question that I'm sure was on each one of their hearts. And Jesus responds by saying, you've been with me for three years and you still yet do not know me? So the disciples are hurting. And they're feeling lousy about themselves. And what does Jesus do? He talks about true discipleship. He, he doesn't sidestep 
the central issue. He doesn't say, well, don't worry about it. It's all going to be okay. No, he centers on discipleship. In verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He centers on true discipleship. A true disciple follows Jesus in love and obedience. And we know that this is the central message for Jesus. He's centering on true discipleship. We know that because he keeps repeating it. In these few verses, in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24, the flip side, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Jesus is centering on discipleship. A true disciple follows Jesus in love and obedience. A true disciple walks the talk. Ray Vanderlaan and I graduated together from seminary. And we both studied in the land of Israel. And Ray has become a leading expert in Jewish culture. And uh, he has led a host of tours in Israel. And if you go on a tour with Ray Vanderlaan, you're in for a lot of walking. And you're in for serious discipleship training. Because Ray teaches that in Jesus' time, Disciples followed their rabbi, and they followed their rabbi not only to learn truths from the rabbi, but they followed the rabbi to imitate the rabbi, to follow his path, his way of leading, living. That's what discipleship is. And, and to get that across, Ray insists that his tour group follow him. They follow his path. Well, one time... A couple got a little tired of walking, and they could see where Ray was headed, so they took a shortcut. Big mistake. <laughs> they encountered the anger of their rabbi. But that's the point, isn't it? All of us fail to follow Jesus as we should. All of us are tempted to take shortcuts and then we become discouraged and we see ourselves to be pathetic disciples. And then what follows, Jesus gives us such encouraging words, incredibly encouraging words, because Jesus promises us as disciples he will enable you and me to be true followers. And he does that by giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The term helper is from the Greek word paraclete and it's translated different ways. Counselor, comforter, advocate. In the ESV, it's translated helper. The root idea 
is an attorney showing the way throughout the legal process. That's, that's the root of this term. And so the Holy Spirit shows the way. And you'll notice in verse 16 that Jesus asked the Father and he will give you another helper. Another helper because Jesus was the first. And Jesus for three years showed the way, led the way. Now the promise is that the Holy Spirit will show the way forever for his disciples. He'll show the way to make sure that we reach the finish line, to make sure that we who believe in him will see heaven's glory. How's that for encouragement? And there's so much more. Because Jesus goes on to say that the Holy Spirit not only shows the way, the Holy Spirit is the one who points to the truth. In verse, six, in verse 17, uh, he's referred to even the spirit of truth. And, and so you get what Jesus is doing here. Because moments earlier, with those disciples in the upper room, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And now Jesus is promising you and me that the Spirit will show us the way and the Spirit will teach us the truth. The Spirit will make sure we get to the Father because he will teach us the truth. And how does he teach the truth? Well, he teaches the scriptures. He enables us as disciples to learn the truth through the scriptures. The spirit of truth is called spirit of truth because he bears witness to Jesus who is the truth. He teaches the truth in the scriptures and that's why he so thoroughly teaches us. That's why that the church in the New Testament is referred to as the pillar and ground of the truth. Think about that. The church is defined as the pillar and ground of truth. We by the Spirit's working, uphold truth. Just like a pillar upholds, we uphold the truth. I'd like you to stop and think about that, brothers and sisters. What a privilege we have. We have the truth. And, and verse 17, Jesus says that the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit, cannot receive the truth. And that's not because we're better than other people. No, it's all by grace. The Spirit enters our lives and the Spirit teaches us the truth so that we in turn may teach that truth to others. What a privilege to uphold the truth. And, and the Spirit not only teaches us factual truth, the Spirit implants the truth within us because you see the truth is more than factual knowledge the the truth is Jesus Jesus is the truth and so the spirit implants his word in our hearts to change our character so that we imitate Jesus we become more like Jesus just this past Monday I met a, a prison chaplain from Michigan, and he told me about a prisoner named Sean. And Sean is serving a life sentence. 
And Sean had the reputation of being the strongest, meanest, fiercest prisoner of the entire population. But then one day, a prisoner in fear approached Sean with the gospel. And the Holy Spirit penetrated that hard heart. And Sean received Christ as his Savior. And Sean became entirely devoted in learning the scriptures. He poured all his energy in learning the Bible. He went from acing little Bible lessons that came through the prison. He went from acing those lessons to acing seminary courses. And eventually he earned his master's of divinity degree. And, and he was well-versed in the scriptures. But the point is that over that time, in learning the scriptures, the Holy Spirit was not only giving him factual knowledge, the Holy Spirit was changing his character. And do you know, to this day, the one who used to be the fiercest of all prisoners is now the most compassionate. I want to bring it closer to home. It was a little over five months ago that my dear Laura was taken to glory. And my non-Christian neighbors were very kind. But I must tell you that their kindness did not match the kindness of this congregation. Now, don't get me wrong. I appreciate my neighbors. I really do. But the best they could do with the best of intention was offer me platitudes. You wrote me notes of truth. The best they could do was offer kindness out of a motive of mere sympathy. You showed kindness out of love for Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's a world of difference. Young people, your church leaders tell you to read the Bible. I've heard them tell you that. Why is that so important? Because the Holy Spirit uses the Bible to set you free. The Holy Spirit uses truth to change your character, to make you more like Jesus. So read your Bible. The Holy Spirit shows the way. The Holy Spirit teaches the truth and the Holy Spirit raises to life. Jesus goes on to say in verses 18 and 19, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. The resurrection of Jesus is so pivotal. It's so transformational. He says it because I live, you will live. He's referring to his resurrection. He's saying, because I live, you will live. And, and, and the Apostle Paul picks up on that in Romans 8, verse 11. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Because Jesus is the life, we, through the Spirit, are given abundant life. And that means instead of seeking life for ourselves, we lose our life for Jesus. That's the abundant life. Losing ourselves to love Jesus, obey him, loving others. That's the abundant life. And it's incredibly interesting that in verse 20, we note that the resurrection is the real turning point for our knowing. Look at that verse, verse 20. In that day, that's referring to Christ's resurrection. In that day, you will no. What do we become convicted of from Christ's resurrection? What do we as disciples become convicted of? He says, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. We are convicted to know that God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwells within us. Now that had to blow the minds of those disciples, and it certainly should blow our minds. Those disciples knew their Jewish history, and they knew that the pillar of cloud called the Shekinah glory of God's presence came over the tabernacle. They knew from their history that that glory of God the fiery presence of God came over the temple and the priests fell flat on their faces. Those disciples recited the Psalms. They recited Psalms like Psalm 87. Glorious things are spoken of you, O Zion, city of God. Glorious things are spoken of Jerusalem. Why? Because the people are so great? No, because God Almighty dwells there. The disciples knew their history. They knew that because of the wickedness of Israel, that glory, as described by the prophet Ezekiel, left the temple, left Jerusalem. And the disciples knew that there was no record in the scriptures, no record of that glory coming back to Jerusalem until Jesus appeared. And the Apostle John said, we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And on that resurrection, they became convicted that the glory of God was not only outside of them, the glory of God was within them. I can think of no more uplifting truth than that the Spirit of God lives within me, within you as believers. 
And, and maybe you're thinking, well, yes, but, but why do I still fail, to miser- uh, fail miserably in life? Why, why, do I, why do I disobey? Why, why do I fail to walk the talk? And I'm with you. And, and sometimes it seems like the church takes on the name of that child in the Old Testament who was named Ichabod. And Ichabod is the Hebrew term for the glory has departed. Sometimes it feels like the glory has departed from the church, departed from us. Don't you believe it? Don't you believe it? Jesus said the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Why? Because God Almighty dwells within the church. And Jesus is teaching us here, friends, that we are to become more of who we are in him. Our identity is such that the Spirit of God dwells within us. So we are to become more of who we are. That means we become more of those followers who center on the way. All the temptations in the world, all the false gods, we become more of who we are by centering on the way. We become more of who we are by being devoted to the truth and studying the scriptures, learning the scriptures, sharing the scriptures with our children, our grandchildren, sharing the scriptures with others. We become devoted to the truth. We become more of who we are by being eager in living the abundant life. Living a life of denying ourselves and loving others. Christ is calling you and me this day to become more of who you are. And then verse 21 will be very brief here. But what a gift of assurance. Jesus promises the gift of the Holy Spirit. He promises the gift of assurance. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Notice the switch here, verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now he switches it around. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is the truth. Love for Jesus demands obedience. You can't separate the two. If you love Jesus, you're going to obey him. But then it's also true the other way. If you find yourself obeying Jesus, that's assurance you love him. And the assurance that you love him is the assurance that the Father loves you. The text is not saying that you got to prove yourself. You got to be obedient enough and then the Father will love you. No, we know that's not true. We're taught from the scriptures that we love because God first loved us. But here's the point. If you find yourself following Jesus, if you find yourself obeying Jesus, that's assurance that you love Jesus and you can be assured the Father loves you. And and that's what Jesus wanted for those disciples in the upper room. He wanted them to be assured of his love. And he wants that for you and me. And so he says, follow me in love and obedience. And by the way, 
you have a tremendous helper. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more information about our church, our values, mission, and ministries, visit npcdublin.org.